Welcome to the show. I'm Mikey. And it's your girl Zay Day. We are two social justice warriors dedicated to dismantling systems of oppression through a black, black queer, queer feminist lens. Feminist lens. Yes, this podcast will cover a variety of topics ranging from politics in our country to which new bop you can twerk to. Hey. <laughs> yep. And while we're twerking, y'all can start following. Search Black to the Future on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join in the conversation. And don't forget to leave positive reviews for us on your streaming platforms. Yes, please leave positive reviews. With the reach of this podcast, we desire to change the world one episode at a time. Yep, and I think it's time we get started, don't you think? Yep, let's get it! The The past past is gone, gone. the present present is an adventure. adventure. Looks like it's time to to go go black to the future. future. Cue the theme music. (laughs) Yeah. to a brand new episode of Black to the Future. Yes! I am so excited that um, y'all are in listening to this today. Well, it was tonight when I'm recording this, but it don't make no difference when you hear this. And like I've had promised, I have some lovely, exquisite guests that I'm so excited to have on the show. And this is one of the first interviews I plan to do. So on this episode, I have the lovely, talented Miss Lawyer Girl doing her grown woman shit. (laughs) I have Brianna Jenkins here. Hi, what's going on? Oh, nothing. I am so happy you here. Of course, I'm firstly I'm gonna just geek out real quick. It's like I'm a low-key a big fan of yours. I was just like, oh my god, this bitch is sick, Nick. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So um before we get super started on anything, I always like to make sure people know, you know, what name you like to go by, of course, your pronouns. And if you want to share your orientation, you can share that too. Uh, sure. So my name is Brianna Jenkins, also known as Aeon. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I identify as a fat, black, dark-skinned trans woman. And I also identify as a Sagittarius. My birthday is this Thursday, December 2nd. Yay! I also happen to share a birthday with Britney Spears, so I feel so special. And um, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be 
living life and pursuing my dreams in the fullness of everything that I am. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. I love that you gave me the whole roster. You said, girl, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this. Yes, the the people need to know, honey. The people need to know the truth. Period. So, at first, let me say also a uh, happy early birthday. Can we record this before your birthday? But happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any fun plans and trips or anything? Um, I am actually planning to take a quick weekend trip to New York just to get away. I'm going to see my first play on Broadway. So, I'm super excited about that. And I'm going to take myself out to dinner and just really be just. Be grateful for the fact that I'm able to travel and that I'm just able to celebrate me. And I'm not usually the big party type of person, mm-hmm. though I have had like nice celebrations in the past. But these days, I'm all I'm just trying to be centered in myself and really listen to the things that move me. And I think I think this weekend, I just want it to be about me. So that's where I'm at right now. Amen, amen, and most importantly, a woman. I love that. <laughs> If anyone knows me, birthdays are it. Like, and I, and I, I, you know, I just turned 31. So, um, okay, congratulations. Thank you. Only the 30 and over club. Yes, yes, (laughs) we here now. So I'm just like, now now it's getting real late with some of these. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I I think just, uh, just getting to this place, and I've mentioned this before, like the age cap on black trans women is just, steadily just like going down and I'm just like girl I'm getting closer to this every year and it's like so I just want to um tell you that I appreciate you I want to give you your flowers I want to say that you are special and beautiful and you deserve all the most wonderful things in the world I'm so happy that you're here to be with us so thank you thank you I'm 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 just really happy to be here uh I, I too am aware of that 35 year old age cap and while that is something that's in the back of my head I'm constantly giving myself permission to like envision my life as an older trans person or a trans person that is aging and it's going to be a long time to get there but I'm happy to say that I'm finally here and I, I can finally see myself uh, as an older person, God willing, thriving, and still living, still living in my purpose, still walking in my truth. So um, I want that. I want that for all of my um, trans family. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We need those blessings. And again, so happy, so beautiful, so amazing. Happy birthday. And I hope you travel because I've never been to New York personally. So I've you never been to New York? No. Okay, it's I don't feel safe traveling alone, and you know what, girl. I, I, I any anybody that knows anything about me, I am a solo traveler. Um, well, one, I'm a Sagittarius, and by nature we like to explore and go on adventures. So I've always had that in me, and then my mom has always instilled a sense of travel in me. Mm-hmm. But though it is nice to travel with your friends and with other people when they got it. Um, it's so liberating for me. That's, I love traveling by myself because I get to have that wanderlust and just explore and really, um, do the things that I want to do and make the memories that I want to make. And I highly, you got, you have to take at least one trip somewhere 
by yourself and really do all the things that you want to do unrestricted. I highly encourage you. Baby, <laughs> I, I applaud you. I just be too nervous. I, I just really just do in general. But you're right. I do need to go and just adventure out there. But when it comes to traveling, uh, I always want to experience it with somebody. I want to be able to talk about it with somebody. So maybe that's just where I'm coming from. But I applaud you for going out there and, and exploring the world. So have fun in New York and enjoy your first Broadway show. Like that's something too. So I really hope you enjoy that. What show are you going to see? Um, there's this new play called Thoughts of a Colored Man. Oh. Um, that's on Broadway. I know um the the man the boy that plays Ricky from um Pose, he's mm-hmm. on there. Oh. Um Mac Wilds is playing there. I know some big Broadway name produced it, but Candy also stepped in and um, is producing it as well. And it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a big deal. And I, I just want to see it. I just, I want to see. I've been, I think it just opened at the top of November, hmm. and they were doing like previews in October. So I, I'm gonna the tickets were expensive. I'm not gonna lie, they were expensive, but it's my birthday, and I'm treating myself. I'm going to the MA show, so. Uh, yeah, hopefully this will be the first of many um, Broadway shows. I'm not. I went to some Broadway shows when I was younger, but I don't think I was mature enough to really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like not like Broadway, but like when it came to like DC and our theater um, in Baltimore, where I'm from. But I think um, now that's something I kind of want to get the taste for of experiencing like those staple Broadway musical theater plays type of. Um, things just to have that, that type of experience. No, I, I love that because you know, you was here in Chicago, and we'll talk about that at, um, in a little bit. But um, when you know the Broadway shows get like off into Chicago, and I go see them, I'll be like, This is love, this is everything. Them tickets are expensive though, so I don't mm-hmm. even want to know how much the ones you pay for, baby, because girl. <laughs> Too much, but I, I think it's important, like you said, treat yourself, take care of yourself, prioritize yourself, put the things that you need first, and make sure you are happy. That's the most important thing. Yeah. So, um, one thing, well, we kind of talked, uh, kind of answered this already, but I like to ask at the top of every episode, because this is a Black podcast, how is your Blackness? As a Black person... How are you doing in this exact moment in our climate, in our world, everything? I think my blackness now is set up where I give my I give myself permission to rest. Mm. I just feel like as black people, we don't do that enough, and I see so many of us, especially like the older generation, um, struggle with feeling like they have the right to like take breaks mm-hmm. and really. Um, rest and really listen to their bodies and I I don't know I'm always thinking about like how we're connected to our ancestors and how our ancestors for generations literally could not listen to their bodies and they could not rest and resting and sleeping for me especially now is an act of resistance I'm privileged to be able to work from home and to be able to work a career where I have a little bit more flexibility on my schedule and and I'm thankful for that, but I really give myself permission to rest and listen to my um, body and um, work on not beating myself up for it and not feeling like I always have to produce, 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 mm-hmm. produce. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I'm entitled to rest, and I and me me resting, me saying no, me listening to my body, and me then communicating that no, this doesn't feel right. I'm not doing it. Um, knowing the context, how we as black people don't really get to have agency over ourselves in that way, mm-hmm. um, it makes it makes me happy that I can that I have the the space and the power to um, resist in that way and um, and give my and nourish my body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how I see my blackness now. Thank you for saying that. I think that's true, and I, I agree. You sometimes I, I think personally sometimes we are so always not only on guard but always having to teach somebody or talk to somebody or explain ourselves to somebody as black people, and when you start adding other um, identities along with that, it start getting even more fucked up and it start getting like even more irritating. You be just so tired, and then when you rest, you f- might feel bad for resting. I'll speak for myself. I be feeling bad for like. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, I was resting for a couple days. I'm like, I should be doing something. (laughs) And I think it's important that we take a moment to sit the fuck down and rest our nerves so we can be able to continue to go forward and stuff. Um, So I think that's a very important thing. And how you see you and your blackness at this point in time, at this stage in the game, I think that's an important thing to do. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. And before we kind of switch the topic um, to your childhood, because I'm sure you're just dying to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, one thing I do want to ask is, how do you personally define Black trans womanhood? I'm very interested. Mm, I, haven't, I haven't really thought about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, how I define Black trans womanhood or femininity for me um, I would I would say stillness, like that. Like as I sit and think, that's the word that's coming to like the front of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really feel like to walk in our path, it really requires this type of um, anchor and stillness mm-hmm. in who you are, because you want to have so many people. Um, challenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have so many people say that they don't see you or they don't believe that you're real. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have people that do see you and they're going to try to get you to um, diminish yourself to fit into their world. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I know is true for myself throughout the entire evolution of me as a woman um, in my transition is that I have always been me Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I still, I still center myself in the, in the center of um, all of my experiences, the good and the bad, and that I can't be shaken. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I just feel like I'm so rooted in who I am and who I was always meant to be that um, I can't be shaken and I, I don't have to convince anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think going back to that whole thing about um, not needing permission to rest mm-hmm. um, also comes that is living a life of ease. I'm not going to have too many people in my life where I have to fight for you to get me or fight for you to understand. Mm-hmm. You're either you're either going to see it or you're not. And I I deserve like 
like you said, some people feel like it's their um, duty to educate people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm just I'm just so past that because I'm just I'm just me. Um, I'm just me, and I'm not changing, and I'm not moving. And you, like, it's you're either gonna get it or you're not gonna get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I I no longer feel. I'm at the point in my life where I no longer feel where I'm going to do a whole bunch of explaining because I. I'm just literally not exerting that additional energy when I could be, it can be better used for other things that bring you joy and bring me peace. Hello. Amen. I love that. Like Tisha Campbell said, I'm still here. And- I am. I am. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm just like, you either, and then you, I just don't have that. You know how when you're early in your transition, you just need that validation, mm-hmm. and you just like I'm over. I'm so over that. I'm just so, I'm so over that. I'm so, and I think I got to that point where, um, especially like in my romantic life, mm-hmm. early as a, a woman, you know, you're looking for people to save you. But once you get to that point where I don't, I never needed anybody to save me, and I'm going to save myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it really shifts how you look at the world and how you see yourself in the world. It really does. Very that. Very that. Once you get to a certain point, you be like, all right, they ain't coming. I guess I got to do this shit myself. They're not. They're not. They're not. It would be nice if they, they came, but the, the sad truth is nobody is coming to save us. Mm. Nobody is coming to sue. And the, the, the reality is they need to be, nobody's saving them either. At all, they they can't save us because they don't have the tools to have their life together. Right. So how you gonna save me? And you so worried about what I'm doing, you ain't even worried about building no tools for yourself. So right, exactly. Lord, I (laughs) could. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you dropping dimes and and dimes, Jesus, I'm tired. Dropping pearls and wisdom already. So thank you so much because this is really important for people to hear if they haven't heard this already. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to go all the way back. You already mentioned that you from Baltimore. So again, I've never been there either don't drag me don't read me girl like <laughs> traveling is scary i don't like airplanes either so that's also that you too. don't you said you have you what about trains or about okay i i do love trains i probably could take girl, a train. how you gonna create a podcast that's touching the world girl you're not trying to go out there and see the world i'm i'm working on it i do this in like, <laughs> like the steps like, I would take steps. Like, if people start extending stuff and start saying, we don't want you to come out here, I'd be like, okay, we gonna make it work. You know. <laughs> but, but anyway, so you said you from Baltimore, and can you tell us about, like, the area you grew up, grew up in and your family dynamic and all that kind of stuff? Like, give us, like, the backdrop of, like, Lil Brianna. Um, so... I am from Baltimore. We moved to Baltimore when I was in the third grade, but I'm we, I'm from Maryland, mm-hmm. um, from like the Baltimore Washington Metro um, area. Um, I I come from a single parent home, so I was raised um, primarily by my mom. Um, I'm an only child, mm-hmm. and I so I never I never met my father, never had a relationship with my father, and I've only been linked to like my mom's side of the family. And we come from like a pretty um, big family. 
Um, though most of our family is like from the South. Mm-hmm. So like um, Georgia, mainly Georgia. Um, and I was a child where my mom would send me home uh, every summer um, to Columbus, Georgia, which is about like an hour and a half, like Southwest of Atlanta mm-hmm. um, to go down there. So, so she would send me there like from when I was a child all the way up until I was about like in the seventh or eighth grade. Mm. So um, I, I just always had a big sense that the world was bigger um, than the area that I grew up. I always had a um, sense for traveling. I always knew knew more for my age than I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I guess when you're an only child, you just... Um, you you have to grow up. I was still a child, but you have to grow up a little quicker. You have to be a little bit more responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a latchkey kid, but um, I, I was I was still I, I had a good childhood. Mm-hmm. I had a good childhood, though. You know, it was strange because it's like, where's my father? Why does everybody else have a father? But mm-hmm. I grew up. I, I knew I was loved. I, I knew my family loved me, and I knew that uh, I. My situation um, was unique because I was able to move through so many different worlds and see so many different things. I had so many different um, experiences at a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, I don't ever remember us struggling. I don't ever remember remember us um, wanting wanting for anything. Though we weren't like the richest, um, we lived in. I, my memories were of us living in like townhouses and then we moved into our the our family home in Baltimore so for all intents and purposes I had a really good and I had a really solid childhood oh see and uh thank you firstly for sharing that but I also just like to point out you know like trans people don't we don't come from broken homes or anything like that we just exist in, in general I think a lot of people be thinking that we come from like these sad, broken down pasts and all that kind of stuff. Cause I kind of relate to that in the sense where my family dynamic was not the best, but we made, we made it work. We, we wore it out. We did, we did what you needed to do. And at no point in time did I ever feel like I was like less than or, or anything like that or something like that. You know, I always felt like we was like doing what needed to be done and I felt good about it. So I want to thank you so much for there and sharing that. And I know you was the only child, so you learning stuff. I'll be looking up to people. I'll be like, I wonder what their family life was like. You was the only child. I wish I knew what that was like. <laughs> yes, I had to. I was. I had to grow up extremely responsible. So, and I, I think it it impacts how I move in the world now. But um, yeah, it's, it's a and it's an experience that I have some other friends that are that grew up as only children. Mm-hmm. So we definitely relate and bond to each other over those type of experiences. Mm. Well, one day, well, I, I, I have a younger brother, so <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm ever going to learn what that's like. But, and so obviously you growing up in these, in the, you going back and forth between Columbus and in the DMV area and everything like that. So obviously at some point in time, everybody, you know, of course, start noticing things about you probably that you was some kind of queer person. So when do you think all that kind of started taking place for you when you start putting some pieces together yourself? Um, I always knew that um, I was queer or something was different about me. I always knew that when I was attracted to boys, mm-hmm. um, that was that was very evident. 
I think when it became like, uh, like, oh, this is the thing. And even when I was younger, I always, I didn't, I wouldn't categorize it as me having boyfriends, but I knew that I was able to interact with the boys in the way that the little girls did, especially when I went down south. Mm-hmm. And just the whole vibe and the energy um, down south, people were just intrigued with me because I was from the north. Mm-hmm. And that this ma- that made me interesting in and of itself. And um, I, I think it made people like really uh, intrigued with me. And I just remember I had relationships. I used to go to the Boys and Girls Club down there, and some of them were just um, I used to hang, I was hanging with like with the little southern black girls down there, mm-hmm. and we was um, running the boys for money, getting them to buy a snacks, and um, running down with them. <laughs> um, she was running the game was, already, baby. Right, right. So when it came to, so, but it didn't, my queerness didn't start um, becoming an issue until I got to like middle school mm-hmm. and that's clearly when people were starting to have sex and even if I didn't say anything people started noticing things in me or it it was a lot of grown-ass um, boys in middle school that were like I was very sh- thick and shapely and they were attracted to me and I'm like okay this is, this is becoming a thing <laughs> but of course I was in the now and then once I got to high school I think um, it was something that was on my mind where it's like, well, I want to be straight. I want to fit in. But after going through that first year and, you know, I made my little friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. When I came back for that 10th grade year, I was like, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm just going to live my life and um, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I identified as gay at the time in high school and I was just you know, and and being out then, like being out now is totally I guess different. it's fine because it's more accepted. But back then, because everything was so underground and it wasn't as accepted, to me it was more fun. Mm. It was more fun like connecting with people and figuring out that they was on the same vibe that you were on. Yeah. Just like the different, the internet back then and being on Black Planet and the Yahoo chat. Like it was, what was it connecting called? Downlink. with people. Yeah. Well, I, Downlink came later. Mm. But, um, cause, cause I was in high school from 2002 to 2006. Mm. So, um, it like being queer back then, especially in Baltimore, Baltimore was, fun back then Hmm. it was fun it was just so much so many things to do um i knew something was going on with my gender because in high school when we started to do gender stuff i just always felt uncomfortable uh being sharing space with the boys like Hmm. i remember we did like some health thing where they split us up by gender and we had to go to the auditorium and i just would skip school that day i would ditch school Hmm. i remember in high school like i would just presenting as a boy, I would just walk in the girls' bathroom. Not to use it, mm-hmm. but I would walk because most of my friends in high school were girls. Right. And it was so, we would be in conversation, and I would, they would walk in the bathroom, and I would just walk in too, and it would just be like, oh, hey girl. he's in the bathroom with the girl. Mm-hmm. So that was just my experience, but um, not, never thinking anything about my gender. Mm-hmm. When I got, when I started college in 2006 um that's when i really got exposed well 
I was, I remember, I remember, well, I met my first trans woman my last year of uh, high school. I remember I was in driving school and I mm. went to, to mm. driving school after class mm-hmm. and I was so, I was so gay. I was so clean <laughs> back then. And I remember Same. it was a Friday on Baltimore Street and I had walked in and it was like the, the group of bitch queens and the one, I didn't know she was trans at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Andrea. She was um, dark skinned, thick. Like I could tell something was different about her, mm-hmm. but I didn't, like she was a woman, but I could tell it was something different about her, but I didn't know the words, didn't know the terminology. Right. And I just remember like once they like once you once they saw me and you know how it is like when you one of the new girls want to see Ooh. and the other girls see you they want to know who you are mm-hmm. so they had like i remember we was on break from driving school and i was i was looking fresh because i had worked that summer so i had so by the time i got to stay here i got to wear all the the bad stuff i wanted to wear yeah so when they see me outside crossing the street they immediately like picked up on me mm-hmm. and they started they her and her children had followed me in the store and had like cornered me like where the drinks was because I think I had got a juice mm-hmm. and she was like like I want you to be my daughter and daughter and I didn't know what was going on. They had just cornered <laughs> me. But she was a she was was a trans woman mm-hmm. and I didn't put two and two together and then I remember I don't know if I was coming from school or if I was coming from somewhere but where I used to catch like the transfer bus, the bus stop was like at the bottom of the show, and I was seeing mm. the girls. Right. It was they weren't at my bus stop, but it was like a perpendicular bus stop on the cross street, mm-hmm. and they would sit there and wait for their dates, and I would see the girls, mm-hmm. and I would just like I didn't know they were trans, but I just knew that some. Special women. It was something about them that mm-hmm. drew me to them, mm-hmm. and I would just staring at them and looking at them. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I also remember, uh, we had this club in Baltimore called Burns, and I would never go inside the club because I was scared because it was just me. But I would just like walk, <laughs> always like walk around the club, walk around the club, so I could get like the vision or a whiff of the girls that just used to be outside and mm-hmm. cutting up and carry but I never got like the courage to walk in there because I was just so young and I looked at a mess and uh but I eventually got to a point where after my first year of law not law school I'm undergrad once I got towards the end I had met my first group of like bitch queen friends mm-hmm. and then then we started going out into the scene and once I had my group of friends and I felt confident enough to go to go that's where I really got exposed to the girls mm-hmm. and then by my second year of school I was working this job at CBS and uh for Halloween my bitch queen friends he had just one of my friends Ken had just started doing hair mm-hmm. Oh, no, even before Halloween, when I came back the second year, I was just like, I gotta get braids, I gotta get braids. So he had did my hair in like two strand twists mm. and really long, and I had my hair pulled up in a bun. And I remember that first day back in Morgan when I came back, everybody thought I was a girl, and mm. I was getting life off for people thinking that like I was a girl. And then I was just like, she was like, oh, I was feeling the cut, like yeah, baby. I'm it. So I think. By the time Halloween came, I was like, oh, I got to 
figure out how to take this to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I remember we went to the hair store, we got all this hair, and um, we put the tracks in. Uh, child, I, I probably got an old picture of it, but the tracks look the, the tracks look at theirs. I didn't really know how to do my. It just was not cute. Mm-hmm. But I felt cut because I had this hair in my head, and I I felt I didn't know what was going on, but I was just like this feels right and mm. I don't want to take this off Ooh. and just from there I just kept going and then like right after that happened I was working at CBS mm-hmm. the like it was like the follow the very next day or the next time I had to work after Halloween we had a trans woman transfer a trans woman shift supervisor transferred to the CBS okay. and I remember she looked she um she looked at me and she was like, are you on bones? And I was like, what's that? And then she was like, oh, okay, I'm going to take you under my wing. And she became my trans mother. She's yes. still my mother to this day, um, Katrina Icon. And like, it just, like, it, Katrina it, it, Icon. And it just, um, it just kept, like, stuff just started progressing and, um, and it just started exposing me to the girls mm-hmm. and exposing me to the light. And then the, like, and then once the girls got to know me, they they really saw it for me and they seen it in me. And honey, the rest of the, the rest is just history. And, the rest is history. And the rest is her story. You look amazing, baby. You don't want to do the journey. <laughs> I am I am so proud. And so thank you so much for telling me your story. And I, I, I wanna say, like, once you get that good first piece of hair and you just like, oh, Girl, the hair was so fierce, though. It was it was like this big, like, kinky. It was like long and kinky. Girl, it was a mess. But I just, I just felt like I just felt like the vines. Mm-hmm. I just felt in them early days, it was rough because I was walking around with this hair, but I still had these boy clothes, mm-hmm. and I was at Morgan, and it was at HBCU, and it concerned it. It it was rough. But bitch, once I got it together in the early years, I, I got it together. And you get it together. Like, I got it together so fiercely, I low-key was, like, stoked. Oh, like, you was pushing like, through like that. Yeah. Right, right. Because I was, well, I had to be hyper-feminine mm. to be, to, like, really get my life in that space. Right. Cause, so, so this this is with the young this is with like the young tree like young college tree mm-hmm. I like I had to be on my P's and Q's baby and so you mentioned that you went to Morgan right is that what you said yes oh well so HBC you came you know and was you always wanted to like study law and stuff like that when so or... I didn't know what I wanted to do so. Going back to my relationship with my mom, so by the time I got in high school, like, my clearness was evident, and it was causing a lot of conflict with my mom because she just didn't know mm. how to accept me or embrace me. And every time when it came to my queerness, it was, like, an issue with her. Like, she she was never the type that was going to kick me out or anything, but she was very distant and very cold to me, and it made me very... I'm resentful. So mm-hmm. when it came time for college, I just knew that I wanted to get away from the household. I wanted to get away from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also knew that I only wanted to go to HBCU because in my earlier years, I had only went to like white schools mm-hmm. where I was like, where I, it was majority white and I was like only one 
I was one of only one like monoracial black student mm-hmm. in the class. Like it was other black students, but they were clearly mixed child. So mm-hmm. when I had to start going to school in Baltimore City, it was so it was a good feeling for me because I was so it was my first time being being in school with other black kids. Mm. and I loved it and then when I went to high school I went to a magna high school so it was a situation where I was around other black people but I was still in the um, academic environment and I wanted to and looking back maybe I should have applied to PWI but I just I wanted to be around black people Mm -hmm. I wanted to be around I wanted to be around around my people my goal was to go to Atlanta so I mm. really, 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 really wanted to go to Clark Atlanta, and I got yeah. in. Mm. But the only the downside with a lot of these private HBCUs is they don't offer scholarships. Right. So I got into Clark Atlanta. I got into Howard. I got into Fisk. Ooh, but <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, honey, money talks. And Morgan was not my first school. Mm-hmm. But Morgan was like the convenient choice because Morgan was right up the street from my high school. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't have, like, I only, I didn't have to do much to apply. So because Morgan was so close, we literally had to fill out like a two page application for Morgan and like the recruiter would take the applications and take them back to Morgan. And so when it came time to figure out where I was going to school, uh, I ended up going to Morgan. And I think I only went to Morgan, it only cost, because I was a Maryland resident, it only cost like $17,000 a year. Okay. And then my major, I, did, I just kind of chose, so my major at Morgan was marketing, and I just kind of chose it out of the blue because I'm going to be honest, at 18, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. I just wanted Same. to be queer. I just wanted to be out the house. And free. I wanted to be queer. I wanted to have my Noah's Ark fantasy. Oh, baby. how <laughs> life was going to be. And I just, I just picked I picked business because that seemed like the safe choice. Right. And I just, and then once I got along in my college education, I wasn't going to get in and then change my major and then be stuck at Morgan for like another four. Like, I'm the same person. I like to see stuff through to the end. Mm-hmm. And once I got further along, I realized that you can get your, your undergrad degree in something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to do. Right. So... But marketing, even though I didn't go down the marketing route, which may, mainly means you selling shit to mm-hmm. other people, I, a lot of the stuff that I learned, in Mar- even though I don't remember everything from Morgan, I I think that I there's some aspects of marketing that I employ in everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. I but, but I had no idea that I was going to be a lawyer or a law, like, that that was I never I was never the type of person that grew up saying I want to be a lawyer. So mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't I just knew that I wanted to go to college because that because that gave me a ticket to get out of my mama's house and to live the the black queer life that I thought it was going to be like I saw on TV. Mm. Thank you. And so I think that's an important thing because I think 
I think from like a certain point, people just expect you to know what you're supposed to do when you grow up. Like you don't, and you and like me, I like similar to you. I I got my degree in music and like basically got like a minor in like psychology. And I'm like I'm kind of using it now. Like I still teach music lessons and stuff. And so you will grow up and you're gonna figure out like oh this is actually what I want to do. And like you said, like you're gonna eventually get to a place where you're gonna be like all right, this is how I'm gonna apply what I learned here and this is what I want to do and I'm going to use it in this sector and that kind of space. So it just takes time and even if you don't know, you're going to grow up over time and you're going to start putting some puzzle pieces together to learn. So Even now with my law degree, like this is good, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next two to three years because something could change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm open to that. It doesn't, even though I'm in this position right now and I'm thankful that I'm in this position, I'm open to the fact that there's no set career path for what my life is going to look like. And as long as I'm making money and I'm able to pay my bills, that's really all that I'm concerned about. Amen. I love that. And I hear that for sure. So um, after you did undergrad and you're going through your transition, so if I'm not mistaken, you did a little bit of the ballroom scene, if I'm not. Is that true, right? Yeah, I was I was in the ballroom scene very briefly, maybe oh. the Kiki scene. Mm-hmm. I only walked a couple of um, mainstream bars, but they were just so shady in the mainstream scene, and I just, I just, <laughs> I just stayed where I felt comfortable. So I was I was in the Kiki scene more than I was in the mainstream scene. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I completely understand. Um, and so some of the kids always be asking me like, are you going to ever walk realness? I'm like, I don't feel like having my life completely dangled in front of me and told me if I'm real or not. I'm just like, right, right. I, I don't need that. And because I, because I know outside of this ballroom that I, I, I'm real. I've always been real and I live a real ass motherfucking life. And there's nobody that can tell me that I'm not Hello. Real. And, and it's just like, um, I think they starting to do away with it a little bit because they figured out that it's archaic and like, what do women... And, it is, and, it is. It's archaic and it's, and it's highly um, subjective mm-hmm. and it's highly influenced by white supremacy. That part. We just have to admit that. And it just, in a lot of the beauty categories, it, it just is what it is. Right. It's it's extremely subjective, and I've and I've been told there's a lot of politics that go on. So I'm just kind of like, girl, I don't want to. I don't feel like playing this game. I mean, that cash prize do look nice, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is. But like when you're in a career where you where the the cash prize is a paycheck for you, you're able to put some things into perspective. Like, okay, I don't need to participate in that. Exactly. So, um. I'm I'm happy you told me a, a little bit about the ballroom scene and stuff like that and about your. But, I, but let me say this. Go ahead. I did. So I was in the Kiki House of um, Brother Cardi A, which I, oh. the the house is shut down now. I've been active in the Kiki scene for years, but I still enjoy, and I actually enjoy the Kiki scene now than I enjoy the mainstream scene only because I just like the energy that the kids bring in the ball and. Nothing compares to going to like a, a function in um, New York, and I got heavily involved in the Kiki scene after I finished undergrad at Morgan, and it was it was it to me it was really it was like a finishing. Mm. It was like a 
a polishing of my confidence and getting me out there. It also it helped me with traveling because I was one of the girls. So back when I was walking, New York, and New York is still the mecca. It's the mecca of the ballroom, but it's the mecca of the Kiki. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we had Kiki in Baltimore, but if you if you didn't come to New York in the New York area and battle the girls, you didn't really you didn't really do it. And you weren't really getting. Um, I was lucky. Hmm. Katrina Icon, she created the house of Brother Cartier, so it was a situation where uh, it's. She didn't create the house for me, mm-hmm. but it, it's not, it wasn't nothing like where I had to audition to be in the house. Like, mm-hmm. I would, like, that was my, that's my mother, and she created that. And it was just kind of a great environment because when I was initially in the house, you, it's like you literally had people around you that live for you that are putting the time and effort into you getting you out there. And it was a, it was a great experience. It helped me build my confidence. It helped me, it, it just, it helped me with so many things that I needed at the time to take my transition to the next level. Mm-hmm. I just I walked face and it was um Come on, it, was just, it was just a good experience and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it I wouldn't those I love the years that I was active because of the it was just such a it was such a beautiful time and nothing compares going to a ball in New York and the projects and just see, like just seeing the girls Cut in the middle of the hood, like just doing them, doing their thing, mm-hmm. uh, having fun, and it was it was nothing compares to it. And I can't wait for the next time that I'm able to go to a kiki ball and just um, see the young kids um, do their thing. And I, I'm very appreciative for my brief time in the frame. Oh, I I love that. And maybe when I get some gumption to go to New York, I'll go. <laughs> I go to a function. But I I do want to just highlight and point out, I haven't had someone who strictly has done like ballroom for an extended period of time or anything like that. But as someone, I I do plan to have someone on hopefully at some point in time. Because I think Mm -hmm. it's just supremely important because it is our culture. It's literally... And so... And now, like, it, it's so funny, always, like, I'll be watching, like, random TV, and then, like, there's this random white man saying, like, oh, she's throwing shade. I'll be like, what? <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So, our language and our mannerisms and all the things we talk about that we end up passing on to, like, butch queens and stuff like that, get to the girls, and then the girls take it to they, to they men, and so they men on TV saying it, I'm like, this, this crazy. But you know they they not they don't ever see it for us like that, and I think how important our culture is as far as ballroom is concerned, and where we come from, and what we do, and how we show up, and how we created nothing, uh, created something from nothing, baby. Right, right. So, um, in the future, hopefully, I can get someone from ballroom. But it is a dynamic, beautiful thing, and I'm just happy to at least be a part of it and I'm happy that you were too because you know I think one thing about being at a ball and being at a function is like when you see certain girls that are like where you in your mind would like to be it does like you say it polish you off you'd be like oh mm-hmm. oh okay I need to go ahead and step that pussy up in this segment and then I need to do this and it gets you right together yeah, it, 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 it was like a fashion school and I feel like uh, it helped me to elevate my fashion sense and my sense of presentation, especially for the woman that I was at that time. And though I'm not as hyper femme as I used to be, mm-hmm. I think 
my attention to detail when I want to wear certain things or I want to present my aesthetic a certain way, I, I definitely, ballroom helped to give me that critical eye at how I want to be perceived um, when I when I move through the world. So, it, yeah, ball, even though I was in the Tiki scene briefly, um, it, it left the last impact on me. As it should. And so, of course, I want to switch gears to um, the inevitable, horrible topic of dating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it's late and it's tired and it's tired and it's late. So, can you just tell us, I guess, about some of your experiences as, you know, I, I think that, like, because I did kind of the same trajectory when it was, like, identifying as a gay a gay man at one point in time because that was what seemed c- connected in my brain. I was like, this is the most, makes the most sense for right now until we got more language and da-da-da-da. So uh, when you made this, when you made your transition, so to speak, of course, and then, of course, you start moving from dating probably one group of men when, out of, from the Butch Queens, if that's what you did, to, you know, cis had, like, pieces of trade and stuff like that. So can you talk about this dating trajectory, if you don't mind? So let me say this. I transitioned when I was 19, but in all of my years of moving through this world as a woman, I'm going to be honest. Some of the, the boyfriends that I had when I was a bitch queen, a lot of them had been, were way more romantic and way way more better than the, the men that I've ever dated. Most mm-hmm. through the world as a woman, so I just want to say that. That's- <laughs> but I had I had so definitely when you physically transition, the work you do have access to straight men, which you didn't necessarily have Mm -hmm. before transition when you were presenting and moving through the world is male. Mm -hmm. Um, Dating cishet men and interacting with cishet men, I have learned at 32 going on 33, I have learned, I have learned, I have had to learn how to have a tough skin Mm -hmm. dealing with men. You just, you just have to you just, you, you just, especially being a black trans woman or being a woman, period, you just have to know that the world or the society is set up for us as women to get the, the short end of the stick. And you just right. have to, you, you, you have to develop what you're going to take and what you're not going to take. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I've learned recently is to, to not let it get the best of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I walked around for a long time being angry and being hardened and being cold or feeling like I couldn't have what cis women had mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the woe is me or why, why, can't, why can't I have what they, why can't I be chosen? Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a point where the only, the only commitment that I can make or I'm going to make is just to live my life for to the fullest mm-hmm. for as, for whatever time that I have left on its head. The the only thing that I'm at a point where I'm all about controlling the controllables. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the only commitment that I'm making to myself is just to live my life and to be in the moment and to just the, just the commitment to um, keep moving forward. Uh, when it comes to, I've been single long enough now. So next year will be ten years that I've officially been single, mm-hmm. been in a like official relationship. That doesn't mean I haven't dated anybody or I haven't talked to anybody or anything. But it's been ten years since I officially have had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I have been single long enough to know what I like, what I don't like, what I'm, what I am going to take, what I'm not going to take. And I've also, I'm past that point of, oh, I don't want, I don't want to say this, or I don't want to do this because you're going to leave me and mm-hmm. I'm going to be alone. Like, I, I don't really talk about that. And actually, I prefer to be alone if I, that means I get to have my peace. If I get to have so peace. just moving, just moving forward, I'm just trusting myself that if something doesn't feel right, I'm giving myself permission to release myself. Mm-hmm. I just feel like. I bring honest and genuine energy. And if I'm not getting that, I'm not about, t- time is too short. Mm-hmm. We don't know, we don't know when we're going to be called up out of here. Mm-hmm. So if you are not sure about yourself or you're not sure about me, I don't want to waste your time and you can't waste my time. Mm. I'm not, you can't, you can't sell me a fantasy. You can't, and I get everybody is working through their own things and all of that. But, I treat myself good. Mm-hmm. I treat myself good. I splurge on myself. I make sure that I treat myself to experiences that I am experiencing in life. And if you can't do that for me, if you're not willing to do me how, and I'm not talking about material things, I'm just talking about being present for life and just um, emotional integrity. Myself. If you're not going, if you can't show up for me how I show up for me, then there's no use for you to take up space in my life. And it took, it took me a long time to get here. And it's something that I'm practicing every day, but um, it just gets, you don't get it sad. I don't get it sad now when people walk out of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't get it sad now because um, it's, it's really their loss. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not in no clock. Like I'm not in no closets. I'm not making no agree. I'm, I'm not holding no secret because I don't live my life like that. Mm-hmm. I, I deserve to have somebody that's equally yoked, that's bringing the same energy. Like I just, I, I, I don't live my life like that. Mm-hmm. And if you, and if we're not on the same page, it's just not going to work. If I have to do all of this extra work to get you to point A, then I'm to me the, the labor, the investment is just not worth. Okay. And I just, I'm just, I'm at. And I don't know, I, I had cancer and I, I had, a, I don't know if mm. it's the near death experience that kind of changed my perspective, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have time to waste anymore on people that are, um, that are not sure of themselves. Mm. And I, I wish them the best. I, I wish them the best, but it's just, um, you got, you have, you have to be in the game, but I think you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to know what you're going to take, and you have you have to set boundaries. You have to enforce them. But you but when somebody comes and their the vibe is right, the the intention is right, I'm open to living life with you. I'm open to um going down this road and having experience. But the moment that um you show your ass, hmm. it's I'm right. gonna handle you. I'm gonna handle you accordingly. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I, I think the biggest thing for me is to not to not allow myself to become bitter and turn into myself and shrink myself and not um, enjoy the gift of life. Because I see so many of my sisters, um, because it is traumatic to have people um, mistreat you because you're living authentically in your truth. Mm -hmm. and that's it. It, it is traumatic, but it, 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 it's so, it hurts me to see my sisters not want to um, live life right. um, because they're, they're literally holding their breaths, waiting for somebody um, to, to see something them. in them or imbue something in them that sh they should be going for themselves. Mm. Amen. Oh, baby. Everything Brianna said, uh, any man that's listening, anything, everything Brianna said, you got to take that and that's what you got to bring to the table. Always asking me what I bring to the table. Um, but yes, I, I think putting yourself first and continuing to realize the value that you do have as a person, you, you're going to be ahead of the game tenfold because that immediately makes people have to meet you where you at as far as the value that you bring to yourself. And if you're not bringing it, like you said, I don't want to waste your time and you're definitely not going to waste mine. So you can have yeah, a seat I'm literally over at the point where I'm turning away dudes because I don't want your energy in my house. Mm. Like I just, like I literally, I, I can't have your energy in here because you, you up to something or you want something or you just not authentic. And I just, I can't have you up in here because it's going to mess up the flow I got going on in here. And my flow, my peace of mind, my safety, I'm not willing to jeopardize that anymore for this morsel of attention. Mm hmm for for uh, for the is and I think that is you have to just I think in so many words you just have to grow up and I think we mentioned at the very beginning is stop looking for someone to save you. Um, yeah, these these men are not coming to if somebody can't openly say that they are trans amorous or they're trans attractive or they're good, they they're not going to save you. They're just all. not. And when I think about safety. I've only ever felt safe in the presence of other women. Mm. Like when I really think about the times that I felt safe or the times that I didn't care about what somebody was going to do, it was when I was in the presence of my other sisters. Mm -hmm. And I think so that says a lot. Yeah, these men are not, men who don't stand in their truth, men who are not even willing to stand up to their boys or their family, and say who they're really dating, they're not going to save you. Right. And we, not, we need to stop. And and I I think that's the downfall of why so many of us get into situations that could get us um, harmed by these men. Not saying that we deserve it or we bring it on themselves, but men know the dynamics that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Men know the men know the, the they they know the insecurity that. Um, that we have to work through right. on a daily basis in order to just be in the world. And I, they, they prey on their vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And it's always to our disadvantage. Always. Because like you said, they are completely aware of us, air quotes, not having any more options. Like, I'm the only one who care about you. Like, they will 
Tell, again, sell you the sun, moon, and the stars, tell you all this stuff and don't have any intention and don't have any integrity, don't have any emotional depth, you know, you know, it's, there's so many pieces of you being a, a human being that are, that's missing from men that are interested in us. And I think something that's important is that when we as women need to be looking for those things. And sometimes, not sometimes, a majority of the time, a lot of these men not going to have it. They're not going to be prepared. They're not going to be ready. They've never had to think <laughs> in general. Yeah, the, bar, the bar is literally in hell. In hell, baby. Yeah. The bar is so low. Like, everybody is above the bar. Like, it's so bad. So, I, I just want to say, like, make sure you value yourself and, and make sure that whoever you are talking to, they have the same value for you, too. Because... If you if you're not careful, they will try to run the game on you, baby, and they will play on the insecurities and the you ain't never gonna find nobody. Da 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 da. They'll give you all of that. So, but it's even worse when you don't want to give them no play because then you turn into a man real quick after they mm -hmm. after the after they done slid into your DMs commenting on you. Be like, oh no, thank you. That's why you a man anyway. You ain't never gonna be. Damn, what the fuck? What did I do? I just said right. no. Your fragile ass ego. But <laughs> anyway. Um, so the, the, one of the last things I want to talk about is not only your, um, what you've been doing as far as like your career in law, but also like your podcast. So, um, I've already shouted y'all out plenty of times before on your previous podcast, um, box number 512, grown black trans woman talk with your former co-host, um, uh, Samaya. Like y'all used to have me in stitches, kikiing, cackling, all the things I used to I used to love it, but now you have a brand new podcast, um, Girl Down. So can you tell us about like these two podcasts? Like I'm really interested to hear kind of like why, um, why you kind of created these. Um, um, so box number five was from podcast, um, my former podcast. It was created to just create a space for black trans fans to kind of talk about our experiences. I, I really believe us creating space to talk about our experiences save lives, lives mm -hmm. because it, first it saves us because it takes the pressure off of, off of us because even though we're in community with each other, we really don't get, we don't really get opportunities to really um, come together and share our experiences because mm -hmm. we live such isolated lives mm -hmm. and I don't know. We we all go through the same things, and I, I I I'm a big believer that us sharing us us sharing information with each other, um, it cre it just creates awareness. It creates a sense of um, commonality. It it kind of removes the veil of gaslighting because mm -hmm. it's very easy. It's very easy for you, your mind to make you feel like you're alone or make mm. you feel like you're the only one going through this thing when we're all um, going through it, especially when it comes to um, our romantic interests. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would, I just feel like it would, we just needed a space um, for us to talk to and unpack um, through these through these issues. And um, so, box number five, so it, it went on for about. Um, almost a year and a half and I'm proud of all of the episodes. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna just give you the breakdown. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the exclusive. Ooh, 
So let me start by saying this. Um, Samaya is my sister. Um, though we are not, I know she did her podcast and she revealed that our podcast did not end amicably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't because of something that happened personal. It was a um, business disagreement. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't something um, from our personal relationship that led to the demise of our podcast. Mm-hmm. But it was something um, business related that did um, trickle into our friendship that um, made me feel like I needed to take a break from the, from the podcast mm-hmm. or from that situation. Um, but even though we're not close, I still see her as a sister. Um, she's, I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wish any, I don't have any, um, hard, um, ill feelings or, um, ill will to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I needed to take a break and I needed to, um, distance myself. And I felt like there were things creatively that I needed to do, um, separate from that, um, joint project mm-hmm. that I had, um, with her. Um, which is why I took some I took some time away, and I decided to start um, Girl Damn Podcast, which which feels kind of similar to Back Summer Five Song, but it's different because it's me. It's a um, shorter uh, uh, format, mm-hmm. but I still I feel like it's a more intimate look um, at me as I'm just um, processing and unpacking on different um, topics mm-hmm. that. Um, impact me or affect me that I want to talk about on the platform, but, um, you know, sometimes things don't work out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to put out a great product. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to touch on a lot of people, Um, but sometimes um, things don't work out. Um, And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. People have multiple podcasts, um, do I wish I could have did things differently? Do I think do I, do I think I wish I do I wish I could have handled my emotions a different way? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But I think we all do the best that we can do um, in the time that um, things are happening. Um, but like I said, I, though I felt some type of way because of a business decision. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I still love her. I hold, I harbor no ill will or no unfeelings. I want people to support her platform mm-hmm. and everything that she's going to do in the future. Um, I hope they can continue to um, support me. And even though we weren't able to end on a positive note, I still believe in sisterhood. I still um, believe in respecting people, even through the breakdown of um, something. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just certain, at 33 years old, I can have a disagreement or feel some type of way, but it's just certain places that I'm not going to go, mm-hmm. especially with another black trans woman. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I'm very happy with what we were able to do. But like I said on the first episode of Girl Down Podcast, um, this is where I want to be now. Um, and I'm I'm happy that uh, I was really nervous about um, putting out, because you know how it is in our community. People right. are always looking for scandal. People are always looking for shade. Looking for drama. People are always looking for drama. And I didn't know how people were going to um, respond to it or people, oh, it's late or what's really going on. But mm-hmm. people have been very supportive, just like I'm sure people are supportive of what she's doing. And 
it's enough space out here for everybody to have a podcast and uh, we are all we are not a monolith we all have our point of view mm-hmm. and it's enough space for all of us we we all have our own stories to tell but um for me, Box Number Five Soul Podcast, it was a growing experience. It was a learning experience, and it set me up to um, do the type of show that I'm doing now with um, Girl Down Podcast. Where I'm just um, just trying to just trying to figure out what my thirties mean to me as a, a black trans woman, just trying to navigate, just trying to push through. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that and giving the exclusive, darling. Uh- <laughs> Uh, so I, I I do want to definitely say congratulations on the Girl Down podcast. I love the episode so far. I, I like that you've managed to make short episodes. I've never been able to do that because I talk so much. So <laughs> I I I really I really applaud you um, and taking that step out in there and making your own product and putting your own claim on it. So I do completely understand that. But um, I do want to let you know, like, I really did enjoy the the dynamic and the conversations and so many things y'all was reading my mind and gave me so much inspiration. And so both of y'all are amazing, uh, dynamic, beautiful black women that I look up to myself. And so I'm very pleased that y'all created that. And of course, like you already mentioned, like you can change and things grow over time and you're going to go into this new thing. So I'm very happy that you have moved into this new thing where you feel this is what I want to produce. This is how I want to produce it. And these are stories I want to tell. And you get to be the the one in charge of the whole thing. So, amen and praise them. <laughs> and, um, and so we already mentioned that you're a lawyer. So um, I know you can't really be telling us all the ins and outs and super like the real exclusive like details type tees, but like. I really want to know, like, you you was in Chicago when, you know, when I was, when I, well, I'm still in Chicago, but, like, you was here, and I'm like, I fell back, so I'm just like, I never met her, like, I'm like, she's so sick, big, and then you left before I had a chance to, like, meet you in person or anything like that, so I just wanted to kind of know, like, this this journey of being in law, and that, like, you're at a, you're at a firm, and you're doing all of those things, I just want to know what that experience is like at this point for you. Um, it's very confusing. I'm going to just be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being a lawyer, it's a lot of people asking you to do do stuff that you've never done before, mm-hmm. and you just hope that you don't mess it up enough to where you get this bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I'm still trying, I'm, I, and I'm only in year two of practice, so anybody that tells you, like, you really don't by year two, you still don't know what you're doing, but I, I'm trying to tough it out and get to the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly taking advantage of different opportunities, exposing myself to new things, putting myself in new situations, no matter how comfortable it is, because uh, particularly with being a lawyer, I'm responsible for my training. Like, no matter where I'm at, no matter how fancy it is or how unfancy it is, I'm responsible for getting my training. I'm responsible Mm -hmm. for um, doing things to take, to build my skill set and take my career to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I like about being a lawyer is that I can be ambitious and take the initiative or 
move to another job that feeds my passions or I feel that aligns with my passions or what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's scary because every day I wake up and I'm just like, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how this is going to be received. But I'm just in that space where I'm giving myself permission to mess up. Mm. I'm giving myself permission to mess up. I'm open to critique. But I do tell these higher up, like, watch your tone or <laughs> tell or just making sure I develop that voice for myself where I stand up for myself because I have had a couple of situations where people have tried to go in on me. Mm. Like supervisors have tried to go in and it's just like, well, your directions weren't the greatest and my performance is only a reflection of your directions at the end of the mm. day. So just, uh, and also the average age of like a lawyer out of law school is like 24, 25. I'm a grown, I'm a grown ass woman. Mm. So you might think, I might look like I'm in my mid-20s, but you're not going to talk to me. Like, we, we, at the end of the day, this is an adult having a conversation with another adult. So you're not, and I'm I'm not scared of the repercussions. Like, I'm just, because you're just not going to talk to me like you're crazy, but it, it's, it's just, to me, it's just about taking initiative mm-hmm. and just um, getting out there and not being complacent. Like, I'm just, I'm looking at my phone and my supervisor has sent me an email at like 10 o'clock at night like why are you emailing me but clearly off the clock baby i always have to remember like i always i asked for this Mm -hmm. i when i was working my job making seven dollars an hour at cds and making eight dollars an hour at walgreens Mm -hmm. and not knowing how i was going to pay my rent or pay my car no or Every time I would get a check, my whole check would be gone because I was paying bills mm. and, oh, if I could just have a couple of extra hundred dollars more on my check and um, to, to and every time I walked into a CVS or Walgreens or like, um, it's a supermarket that's by my house now where I live now and it's the same company that when I was in Morgan, I was working there making like $6 an hour. Mm. Um, I, just, I have to remember that I asked for this mm-hmm. and that I'm walking uh, I'm literally w- living the prayers that I prayed for myself when I was back then on the come up. So Maybe. to just enjoy this moment, but to all, but to know that it's going to be even greater than what it is now, and just um, even in the uncertainty, just being humble because mm. um, I don't have to be here. Yes. Oof. I resonate that. I feel that. It's like when you get all this extra responsibility, like praise him, God, but damn. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's not, it's not easy. It's not. It's not. And I know I make it look easy, but it's it's not. And, and I, that's why I take my breaks when I can and I get my rest when I can because when it's, when it's slow and silent, it's slow, but when it comes, it comes all at once. And sometimes... I just need a day just to not like do any work, but just like plan out how I'm going to mm-hmm. address the work. So exactly. Well, I I want to thank you so much for sharing that entire story about how when when you work for what is you know we've been I would say you and I and maybe other girls and other folks have been afforded privileges and things to be able to get to these places. And so I always want to make sure I have gratitude, 
But then also, like you said, remind yourself, like, you worked hard for this. These are things that you want. So uh, give yourself permission. I think that's going to be one of the things about this episode is you're giving yourself permission to rest, not only to rest, but also to challenge yourself and also to challenge yourself. But when you are having those crises of when you feel like this might be too much, remember, you always like you worked hard for this and you asked for it. So relish in those good things. I think giving yourself permission to do those things are important. So I'm so happy that's been like in a reoccurring topic for you in this in this episode, at least. <laughs> Yes, honey, and it will it will continue to be a reoccurring topic always. Mm-hmm. And so, before we go, I do want to, of course, just the, the last thing I want to ask is like, do you have anything um, coming up? And then after that, you can plug, plug, plug away, Miss Girl. Um, I don't have anything coming up in the immediate future. I I do have some projects that I were a part of that are under wraps, but I don't mm-hmm. think I can discuss them yet, only because. Not because I signed an NDA or anything, but I don't. They haven't given a release date. But I, I was a part of a, um, a documentary video project that I can't wait until the oh, details are. I think I know yeah, about the, that. Yeah, until the I can't wait until the details are finalized, and so um, I can talk about that some more. But just um, make make sure you are make sure you are subscribed to my my podcast. Girl Down, excuse me, Girl Down Podcast. We are, my podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, soon to be YouTube. Mm. Uh, The episodes, um, I'm not going to say they come out weekly, but when they do come out, they they tend to come out on Mondays, and I tend to do like three to five episodes at a time since they are shorter. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, make sure you go listen to Box Number Five So Podcast from Black Trans Women Talk. Those episodes are still available to listen to. Um, you can also go to the Box Number Five So YouTube page and watch the videos. We used to have a visual component with our podcast. Um, at some point in the future with Girl Down Podcast, I do want to create a new patreon page Mm -hmm. and the patreon page uh it'll only be video it'll only be videos that will be private topics so there's Mm -hmm. there are certain things that i want to talk about that will only be behind the paywall um and also the the platform that i host my the podcast on is on anchor and they have a feature where they have episodes that you you can only pay for those episodes. So um, at some point next year, I will be um, rolling out um, private podcast episodes and private Patreon episodes where we'll be, we'll be having more adult conversations, more risque conversations, more personal conversations about me that I don't necessarily want to um, have publicly for free consumption. So I'll be on the lookout for that. That that will be coming um, hopefully before spring next year. I can um, really set that up and um, roll that out. Because I, I have so many things that I want to talk about, but um, I definitely want to go deeper and, you know, just have some more intimate personal conversations. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, and I will put all those links in the bottom. Even when you get the Patreon set up, you can send it to me, girl, and I'll throw it down there when, and even after the episode has already came out and everything. And I, I want to say again, um, 
everyone please go and support Brianna, um, her older podcast, Box Number 512, but definitely, definitely, definitely support the brand new one, Girl Down. It comes out on Monday. She says they, they short episodes and there's a lot to come out at one time. So there you go. And when the Patreon gets set up, y'all, please go support her. Um, y'all always wondering about how to support uh, black trans women. You pay them. <laughs> Because yes. it, ta- it takes money to to do all these things, to make these to make these podcasts, to do all of these things, to to educate and to facilitate our conversations. This costs money and it costs and it takes time. So if you want to figure out, if you want to know how to help us, you pay us. Just point blank. Cash apps are always there, baby. <laughs> so. Um, Again, Brianna, thank you so much. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it for you being on this episode. You are amazing, uh, hilarious, stunning, gorgeous, talented, all the things. I'm so happy to know you, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you, and I'm so proud of you and your continued success and your continued um, elevation. And I can't wait to see the even bigger stuff that you're going to do um, with your podcast and your platform as well. Thank you so much. So, um, again, happy birthday. I really Thank hope you, you enjoy it. Please uh, have safe travels. And we're going to go ahead and get the fuck up on out of here. Um, we're going to see y'all on another episode of Black to the Future. Bye. Bye. <laughs>Thank you all so much for tuning in to Black to the Future. Yes, thank you for joining us. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black to the Future Podcast. And don't forget to use the hashtag Black to the Future Podcast as well. Share the content and please leave positive reviews. Yeah, all that. <laughs> and we will see y'all in the future. Don't you mean Black to the Future? Oop, I guess you're right. We'll see y'all black Black to to the the future. future.